You're listening to She's Obsessed, the podcast, episode number nine. I'm your host, Jamelia Obsessed, and on this week's episode, I'm joined by Zalika Jones. Zalika is a qualified bookkeeper and the founder of VAS, Virtual Business Support Services. You may remember Zalika from episodes two and three of the live panel. This week's episode is all about self-love and how it manifests in the way that we manage our money. While we did speak a lot about money, Zalika was extremely vulnerable, which led us to talk about a few more topics, including the fact that everything happens for a reason, the importance of remaining financially responsible as black women, her own experiences as a teen mum, how important it is to leave toxic environments, and finally, the relationship between mental health and money. I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as we did recording it. Let's go. Hey Zalika. Hey. Welcome to She's Obsessed, the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to have you on, especially following the conversation that we had at the initial pop-up shop. Yeah. I think we were able to have some really good conversation about women, money and business. Mm -hmm. So we're running with the self-love theme at the moment and we're going to explore self-love and how it manifests itself in money. Okay. And how, as women, we can be more financially um, responsible, stable and just really take care of ourselves. Yeah. So before we go into that, I want you to introduce yourself. Tell us a bit about yourself, um, your career background, professional background, personal background, and then we'll delve a bit deeper. Okay, so um, I'm 39, grew up as the youngest child of two, and I never really knew what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, one of my friend's parents was a barrister, and I thought that they lived in a massive house, so I thought, okay, maybe I can do that. And then I was really into my athletics, so I thought I was going to be, you know, the next Flojo. And my parents, you know, West Indian, African mm-hmm. parents, that wasn't going to be a career. Doctor, accountant, lawyer. <laughs> um, and, um, and then I went to... Um, I had to take an entrance exam to get into school and I did really well in maths and my headmistress said we should be an accountant so then I was going to do that and then um, when I was doing um, my A-levels my maths A-level teacher was said I didn't have the personality for accountant I should go into marketing or PR he was like you've got way too much personality (laughs) to be an accountant which makes me laugh now Um, so I decided I was going to go into PR so um I applied to do uh, a communications degree um, and then a week after I I think the UCAS deadline I found out I was pregnant so I had to go through clearing and I comp- you know I couldn't find a PR or communications course that I really wanted to do in London so I decided to go to University of East London and study um, business with um, marketing and I hated it so I did it for about two semesters and I hated marketing I just couldn't really? get, I just couldn't get my head around it I just couldn't I just it didn't I just couldn't get it just marketing was just not my thing so um I swapped over to business with accounting and finance and absolutely loved it so whilst at uni um I used to work for insolvency practitioners as an office junior so dealing with liquidations bankruptcies very exciting stuff and, <laughs> and basically my boss was um he was too cheap to go and hire a bookkeeper so he literally 
gave me like a manual how to use Sage, which is an accounting system. It's like, teach yourself how to do it. You're a clever girl. You can do it. So that's literally how I got into bookkeeping. Wow. Yeah. Um, so throughout uni, worked as a bookkeeper for them. And then when I left, I worked for a design company um, um, for like 10 years. Um, I worked for architects and um, international relations company. Um, and then I worked for an environmental charity. So what happened is in the design company, it was all very, very full on. And um, we worked really, really, really long hours. So I used to, you know, work till six, go and pick up my daughter from school, go back to work to finish. Um, wow. I was doing probably like 50, 60 hours minimum a week and being wow mom, you had a young yeah, child so um it was it was really tough and they worked even longer so it was um yeah you, you're always kind of made to feel like you weren't doing enough and it was a small business as well so I didn't I wasn't just the bookkeeper and the office manager you kind of got involved wherever and it was tough and they were they were quite racist there as well but they kind of made me feel like I was being hypersensitive if I ever brought it up yeah. you know and they would say um you know it, it started with things like do you go to one of those gospel churches and I'd go no and then it was like oh my god you, you've gone on holiday and you've turned I don't know black people tan like yeah but oh, then dear. it got quite um you know they'd say um you know they'd call me like the N words, but as like at a joke, work. like at work, and they've been like joking, like you're <laughs> just joking, like don't get so you know, oh God, you're one of those black people. So yeah, and to the point where I actually, <laughs> they're only joking, and my friends were like horrified when I would tell them stories, and you know they, oh you know they would say stuff like oh it could be worse, I could be a and what you know <laughs> and everyone would laugh and and I'd be like oh stop being so sensitive so I realized I don't know it was over a period of time just how desensitized I'd come become to all of this you know um being belittled and the comments you know me being a teen you know having been a teenage mum mm. just kind of yeah and you become I just realised how different I was becoming. Do you feel like you sh and made yourself smaller and you yeah, shrank yeah. in the situation? Yeah, yeah. And it was almost like um, when you're in an abusive relationship and you think, if I'm really nice, if I work really hard, yeah. perhaps they'll be nicer to me. And the, and like, the worse they were, the more I did. I couldn't do enough. You know, so here I was, you know, I was walking my boss's dog so I was going to his house and you know like if the electrician was coming around and I would go and sit there and do you know so there was me with a degree in accounting and finance and wanting to build this whole career and but I was like the house sitter I was you know I went and bought him his, the dog's food and I went to go you know anything that he needed you know I just couldn't I just wanted to be so indispensable that's so interesting. I've never heard anyone compare like a personal romantic relationship to the relationship that they have to a workplace and a workforce. That is really, I think, really interesting. Yeah, I, I always think it, it was like being in, because it was, it was abuse. It was, it yeah. was, it was being, you know, abused on a, on a daily and belittled on a daily basis. 
but not seeing it and me kind of going no it's because we're we're family because if they didn't like me they they would actually be really really polite you know like almost it and that's what it was it was i i just normalized everything it was normal it was funny i would you know we just you know we've got a bit of a sick sense of humor sort of thing so what made you like wake up and decide that you needed to move away from that toxic environment? So um, it was probably 2012 and I got engaged mm-hmm. and we had just got our son into um, a new school. And it was quite a bit away from where I lived and it just felt like a new start. We were going to we're gonna get married, we're going to buy a new house. And I just kind of started looking at my life and it just kind of, and I suppose it started going in. So you can imagine as my partner at that time, so we had been together for, gosh, over 10 years by that time and him having to see all of this and it still really yeah. upset him to the point where I then stopped telling him stuff. Um, and I suppose just listening to him saying it over and over again, you know, this isn't, you're better than this and friends and I just kind of I don't know just and I just thought what do I want to do with my life like where what 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 am I going to do so I just thought I'm gonna do you know what I've I've been a bookkeeper I'm gonna train to be an accountant I'm gonna do that I'm gonna go and work even if it means me having to take a pay cut I'm gonna go and do that and it just felt as though I was building like a future like we, I'm gonna do this I'm gonna yeah. really have this career and I'm gonna you know we're gonna get married we're getting a new house and um yeah and I had my notice what was that like it felt amazing were you terrified um no you weren't no. terrified on the lead I wasn't, up to it I wasn't I felt I felt a bit sick the lead up to it but once I did it it felt really right like yeah this is going to be the start of everything. Well, you told me to do that. <laughs> they really took it personally. It was kind of like, what are you going to go and do? I was like, well, you know, I'm going to, I think I might just go and change to be an accountant because that's what I was always going to do. And then I, you know, I came and worked here and, and um, yeah, that's when, if I thought they were bad before... They got worse. Oh, uh, yeah, because it was now kind of like, oh, you think you're somebody. Okay, so we're going to show you, we're going to, you know, that you're, you're a nobody. And, you know, things that they would normally give to other people in the team, they would give to me. So, you know, my to-do list just kind of grew and it had to be done now. And um, just, they stopped, bosses stopped talking to me. Um, yeah, it was just... So I just ended up dreading going into work. It was just really, really hard. It just, it was really hard to get up in the morning and kind of function. And when your whole team who you viewed as family, uh, you know, you're kind of a pariah. It's kind of like, it, yeah, it, and I, it just, I just felt sick every day going into work. It was just, it was really, really hard. And I remember there was this one, morning and I said to my partner I was like I can't do it I'm not I'm just not I'm not going in and I literally didn't didn't and that was your last day they refused to pay me my wages they you know my holiday pay um and yeah this got really really nasty 
and I had a complete breakdown, a complete nervous breakdown. Um, Do you think it was where they had impacted you psychologically and had impacted your mental health to the point where they had like worn your self-esteem down? I was down? so worn down. Mm-hmm. Being told constantly, especially in those last few weeks, that you are nothing and me believing like I'm nothing. It just, I, I didn't feel like I, it wasn't me anymore. It was, it was really... Yeah, and it, it was really hard for everybody else to watch it as well. So my son must have been about four. So no, not even, maybe three. So completely went over his head. My daughter was um, 13, 14. And I had to send her to go and stay with my mum because I was like, I can't, I can't function. Yeah. Can't cook, can't, you know do anything and um lucky my mum was only like five minutes down the road but for the next kind of month or so she stayed with my mum and then fortunately her paternal grandmother was taking her to New York and Guyana for the whole summer and it was a summer where it was the London Olympics Mm -hmm. and um it was yeah so yeah I kind of had to send her off because I couldn't and um my son was home with us and it was yeah, but it was just, I was like a broken person. But that summer literally took that time to kind of rebuild me again. So I did this, I just couldn't go and work. And I we literally did the most simple things. So um, we would go to Captain Common and make sandwiches and go to Iceland and get like um, ice lollies for a pound and take our son to the park and just chill just chill and I felt like slowly but surely I became like me again and you weren't working during this time so you were literally using any money that you had had saved while you were yeah I was and that that goes very very quickly and it was a really really tough time because um I went and I signed on um just it was like, look, because when you sign on after three months, they will help you with your mortgage, only for the, the interest bit of your mortgage. Or okay. if you're renting, they will help you with your rent. So I, I, I just thought, well, I need all the help that I can yeah. get. And I hid, I hid from the credit card companies, the, you know, oh, all, all your bills. Like I had no money to pay any bills and I hid and I refused and I saved everyone's number so I knew who was who. And I think the turning point was when I finally decided to speak to the mortgage people and they were just so nice. They were like, okay, so how much can you afford? And I was like, 50 quid. They're like, okay. So you're going to pay £50 for the next... And I was like, what? <laughs> what can I do this earlier? <laughs> like, you're going to pay £50 on the same date for three months and then we'll talk again. And I was like, what? You just have to talk to me <laughs> and it can be sorted out. So that was like a big thing mm-hmm. about facing things head on, especially when it comes to, like, your money as well. And you, you're so scared because you're just thinking, I'm going to lose everything yeah i think money's very emotional as well and it's crazy because it's literally a bunch of numbers and some paper 
but what it can do to people's emotions, what it can do to their mental health, what it can yeah. do to the stability of their life. My having money was part of my identity. identity. Hey guys, I wanted to pause for one minute just to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, Palmer's UK. So for 2019, I'm not sure about what you've got planned, but this year I'm definitely drinking more water, minding the business that pays me, of course, deep conditioning regularly and getting more sleep. So I wanted to talk to you a bit more about what I'm using this month to deep condition. And that would be Palmer's new natural fusions, chia seed and argan oil hair mask, which is part of the wider Palmer's natural fusions hair range. This range contains 95% natural ingredients to help nourish and protect your hair. Not to mention that these products are infused with sustainably sourced raw oils and the product line has no parabens, no sulfates, no silicones, no mineral oils or any harsh chemicals which is important. So definitely check out this range. Let me know what you think at Jamelia is Obsessed. Let me know what you think and share it with my team at Treasure Tress, T-R-E-S-S, and share it with the team at Palmer's UK. I can't wait to hear what you think, but let's get back to the episode. So what was the most valuable thing that you learned during that period where you had literally had everything taken away except for the most important things, which are family? Um, well... I think what it is, it's, a, it's the most humbling experience. Um, uh, what did I learn? I'm, it really taught me who was there and who, and I'm, I'm very much someone who, if I have it, I'll give to you. If I've got, if you, if you need money and I've got 10 pounds, well, I'll give you five, you know, it's, let's do this. Um, and I found it, it was, I found it really hard to accept help. So having to, yeah, it, it kind of, it's hard. It's because I'm, I'm, so I hate having to, having, uh, owing someone a favour. I feel like they've got something over me. Yeah. And I had to humble myself and I had to learn to ask for help when I needed it. I feel like that stuck with you because I feel like women, especially black women, find it really, really hard to ask for help. It's kind of like a pride thing sometimes. And sometimes it's just cultural. Like I was brought up to say, you don't tell people your business. Like you keep what's private to you private yeah. and that's that. So do you feel like it's stuck with you now that you've been able to continue to ask for help? Got, and do you think that it was tied to your upbringing as well? Definitely tied to my upbringing. I, I realised how little I valued me because it's like without those things, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know, I, yeah, I, I didn't have anything. I don't know. Like, like, it still stays with me now because even when people... Um, when we had the pop-up and, yeah. you know, the, I had ladies DMing me afterwards and, you know, just like raving and just like, oh my God, and it's, and I kind of like, no, no, I'm not. I'm no one special. You I'm so not special. Good. People were literally crying in the yeah. audience because of the things you were saying. And it's definitely something I, work, I have to work on. It's something it's definitely is a challenge. I see myself as a cheerleader, background person, like... I will big you up every day, every, you know, literally pom-poms behind you, telling everyone how amazing you are. And and I do that with friends, clients, whatever it is. And but the spotlight comes on, it's kind of like, oh, no, 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 don't, no, no, I'm no. And so, um, and I think, yeah, we, we're, we're mothers, we're this, we're, and um, we are just used to supporting and, um, I don't know, I just, yeah, it's hard to kind of 
step out. But um, yeah, it's it's been an ongoing challenge to. Um, it's not the things that I have. It's not the things that you know. It's not the career. It's not whatever that kind of makes me a valuable person. It's just me. Yeah. Um, it's like just knowing that you alone are enough, and you don't need. Definitely. Yeah, it's not the office, it's not the car, it's not the, you know, I just, and that's what for me that I want to hope that I'm doing is raising my two children to be great human beings. It's kind of like we all want them to do well in their careers and, um, and you know, do well in exams and do all of that. I just want them to be good, great human beings. I want people to meet them and go, oh my God, I met your daughter and she's so lovely and she's so eloquent or she's so, you know, just yeah. those sorts of things. Then going, oh my God, she's so pretty or she's so, um, you know, just like that kind of stuff. So um, it, it, it took a lot of stripping back that whole experience, stripping back and just like, who am I? Um, I want to make sure that when I leave the room, the impression that I've left is a good one, you know. I want, like, I don't want anyone to cry. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, it's because but you, you know, are very, um, very transparent. Don't compare my chapter six, seven to your chapter one. Instagram, social media shows everyone's best highlights. I have to remember that. And um, I do it, you know, like, just go, you know, with the cup of coffee and you're just, and it's all kind of perfectly posed for. And it's, you're part of you building your brands and it's, you know, but. I'm not trying to take it on as it's not that serious it's not yeah. that deep yeah can i ask um, you something yeah. um, just taking it back a bit yeah when you were going through that time how were you able to be honest and open about not having the money i know sometimes a lot of people feel like they have to hide as you said you weren't like taking credit cards and stuff but to even to be able to say to your cousin i can't go out i don't have no money um, it wasn't easy at first, so I have I have an incredibly tight circle. So I felt as though I could kind of say it to them, not straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wouldn't go to things because I because I don't do going out and drinking water. So you know I wasn't going to put myself in a position to have to go out and um, not be able to buy everything that everybody else is kind of buying. So I, I tried not to put myself in those positions, but I almost kind of turned it around. And um, I don't know, I, I just didn't become, I just wasn't so sensitive about it. So if my friend wanted me to go somewhere, I'd be like, girl, I'm broke. <laughs> like, was so overly, like, I can't afford that. No, I'm not about that life. Like, I'm all about Primark right now. Um, yeah, I kind of was wanted to be so honest about it. So, and even now, even though I might have a bit more money, like, I'm fine with you thinking I'm broke. I'm yeah. fine with you thinking I don't have, you know, I, I, I don't mind driving around in my, in my little mini and you thinking like, yeah, but I thought she had like this successful business. Why is she not out? That is fine. I'm fine. I just feel like I respect money so much more now and as that well process, going through that helped you do that and like i said not being attached to the money so yeah i just i i don't know i was going through such a rebuilding that probably feeling like at rock bottom so i i felt like 
you know, just letting it all hang out. Like, I just, like, I can't afford it. I don't have it. I just... So you hit rock bottom. Um, I'm assuming that your credit would have been impacted and there would have been other implications because you have been, like, neglecting your responsibilities financially. Yeah. So what did it look like to actually rebuild yourself um, personally, spiritually, but then also financially? I'm still rebuilding now, you know. When you... Um, it's everything, you know, there's lots of things that I didn't pay for and it stays on your credit file for up to six years. So there's still things I'm still recovering from. So even when I stopped working for six months, I then went and got a job with a, an environmental charity. And like it wasn't like I literally had to do something which wasn't going to be taxing, but also something completely different. But again, I didn't really have a lot of money. And then I was made redundant. And then... I started my business and had no money. So we're talking a period of probably three or four years of not being able to buy stuff, not being able to pay my bills on time. So there was, I've got, you know, I've still got missed payment. So it may, it may say, oh, it's been 31 months since um, your last payment problem, but it's still there. Um, uh yeah, so it's still I'm still rebuilding. So even though I can pay my bills on time now, it's still there. Yeah. Um, what did you go and seek advice anywhere, or like how did you prioritize what was going to be paid when? And was there like a structure or a system in place where you were like, okay, I've hit rock bottom now. I need to get back on my feet, and this is the order of this is my plan of attack. This is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to be really honest. I. I'm a bookkeeper and I know how people should organise their finances, you know. I'm the worst one. Sometimes I feel like a complete fraud because what I'm trying to implement into um, whether a client or someone just talking to and what I'm, the advice I'm giving them to look after their finances, I don't always do it. Um, so it took me... It took me a long time because when you don't have the money, so how did I used to prioritise? For me, um, for instance, when I started my business, um, I had a phone, I had to answer calls. So obviously um, that was a priority, making sure I can pay my phone bill. But I didn't always have the money, but it was like when I had the money, I would go and use it to, to pay my phone bill because I needed a phone to be able to to communicate with clients um, and that's how pretty much how I decided like who makes the most noise who is gonna not stop calling me because they want their money so they'll get paid first the ones that they might just send a letter here and there it was just kind of like well they will just have to kind of wait so it was whoever makes the most noise whoever was going to impact my life the most got paid first. Looking back retrospectively, is there anything that you would change or do you feel like you had to go through that really difficult um, part of your life in order to help you along your life's journey and help you evolve to where you are today? I definitely feel like everything, big, big believer in everything happens for a reason. Big believer. 100% grateful of going through all of that. One, like I have, I can, I empathise with people. I can see um, when people are going through, you know, I can say, you've got this, you can do it. Like, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to be okay tomorrow, but it will be okay. And I can ge genuinely say that. Because, I mean it. Yeah, because of where I've, where I've been. 
Look, my kids, they got used to the bailiffs at the door, bang, 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 shush, switch off the light, switch off the TV. You know? In that moment where you're going through all of that, where, how do you find the self-belief that everything could get better? You've got all the bailiffs hanging, banging at the door, credit cards, everything. And you're obviously in a bad situation. Where do you say, oh, you know what? You know, tomorrow I'm going to build my business and get on top of this. How did you do that? When I had that breakdown, the only person I wanted to talk to was my mum. But I had dark moments. I had moments I did not want to be here did not want to be here and the only reason I stayed was and didn't act on it because of my children and I there was times I resented my children like if you weren't here I could go but I can't go because I brought you into this world I didn't even feel like it was going to be okay at time I didn't even feel like it was the day was going to come and it was all going to be good um you know my mum she's she's like my hype woman she she you know she's like give me my give me your business card (laughs) that is my mom (laughs) jeez you know so um also i feel like we all have to have faith and whatever that is a faith in um is is a personal choice when you want something in life um just concentrate on that thing how it happens is not your concern yeah too many times we try to keep control of how it's going to happen you're blocking your blessing because maybe that's not the way it's supposed to happen so what you're doing is praying that right i want this thing and i try to not be very specific with people so i'm not so i'm not going to say i want to marry that person i just think about my husband's and the qualities that my husband I want to pray for my husband um what's some advice that you can offer to listeners now about how they can be more responsible with their money and if they're going through things that you were going through what tips you can give them to help them get through just be responsible with their money so I'm talking about personal finance but then also business finance okay so one thing I got into trouble with was credit cards so I owed a lot of credit cards. Um, and my credit card and my debit cards, to me, were two different things. Like on my debit card, I would never spend, I would never pay for three pairs of shoes on my debit cards. But I would on my credit cards. And that's how it kind of built up. So things that I didn't need, I just wanted, was going on this credit card. And it kind of built up and built up and built up. Credit cards are not bad it's how you use it in actual fact it's sad but you you have to have credit because you need to have a footprint a good thing to realize is the amount on your credit card that you're using so anything above 50 percent is it's kind of um an indicator to lenders that you're not managing your money as well so So you should always try and spend less than 50 percent of your allowance exactly thank you so so much for sharing so much of us but then also giving us some great tips i definitely want people to know where they can keep up with you where they can follow you and anything that you're working on that's coming up next so um you can follow me on social media i think across the board on instagram facebook twitter i'm just at Salika jones um my business is we are vas um i'm also gonna start doing a podcast oh, i've got an app 
Oh yes, you do. I feel like such a grown up. Um, so basically, if you um, go into is it Google Play and the App Store, if you Google my bookkeeper, it's a green um, icon of I think it's like a man, and you go into it and it will ask you for a code. And if you put in Bass, then it'll be my um, my one, my version, and so mm-hmm. it's free. And I feel like it's like an old bookkeeper in your pocket. Well, thank you so much for your time, Zalika. Really, welcome. really appreciate it. You're and I know welcome. that this is going to help so many people. So thank you.